it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Here we go, here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world. Broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. Hey girl, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who is not announcing a presidential bid in this hour. Some breaking news, former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson throwing his hat in the ring as we speak, claiming he will be the Republican standard bearer in 2024. Wrong. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to work out, but we will keep you updated as it develops. Joe Biden, of course, launching a re-election bid yesterday. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did, and the hot topic of conversation is that Kamala Harris was featured 12 times in the video, leading many people to believe uh, we are being set up for a first female vice president by the name of Kamala Harris succeeding Biden halfway through the term. That's the hot topic. I don't actually believe it's true. The only thing I believe to be true is that Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. <laughs> we will discuss it with Kevin Walling, who worked on Biden's 2020 presidential campaign. He's going to join us in studio. We talk across the aisle on this show. And we're also going to hang with Vivek Ramaswamy, who is, of course, a GOP candidate for president in 2024. He'll be joining us in studio as well. 888-788-9910. If you want to get past the bouncer, tell him I got your name on the clipboard there. Hey, I know Jimmy. Anybody's welcome on the show. We say every day it is an audio safe space for cool people. I am not an activist. I am a talk show host. As Brian Brenberg famously said, I am an inactivist. I'm not here to convince you how to vote. (laughs) I don't want to be in charge of our democracy. I just want to be in charge of this show. It's the only rule we'll ever issue. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. No, ma'am. You could be a Republican, be a Democrat, be a Libertarian, be an Independent. All we ever ask is that you don't be a... Happy Wednesday, everybody. Um, I'm on Waters World tonight with Jesse Waters if you're trying to watch some Fail-A-Vision. And I mentioned the TV stuff. A busy day yesterday, busy day tomorrow. But Saturday night, uh, I will be down in D.C. at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, where there is, of course, uh, the president is going to speak. There'll be a comedy presentation from my man Roy Wood from The Daily Show. I'm sure he's going to do a great job. And uh, I will be appearing live on your television in the 9 p.m. and 10 p.m. hour uh, on The Lawrence Jones Show updating everybody on the goings on there at the, you know, the uh, the correspondence dinner. I'll be on the red carpet reporting live, uh, you know, just hours removed from an open bar. This could be a problem. No, I'll be. Believe me, I'll be. So- <laughs> they ain't taking me down like that. I ain't going anywhere near that bar. Uh, but the second I get off the air, ho, ho. But I got it. I bring up drinking because. You almost had to be half in the bag to watch that Biden rollout yesterday and think it was good. It was a good look for the country. It was a good look for the campaign. Okay, we kind of talked about this a little bit at the top of yesterday's show. Biden, they roll out a reelection bit in a video, which looks weak. It's not a crowd of cheering, screaming people. It's not him facing live ammo from reporters. He's been the most sheltered president 
of the past century if you compare his press availability and the amount of media sit-downs he's granted. He's 90 percent fewer than Obama, 90 percent fewer than Trump. Uh, Biden has very much been the subject of a prevent defense. When it comes to talking to the press spontaneously, he's very much in bubble wrap because they just don't know what's going to come out of his mouth. Do you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black? That's a problem. <laughs> you can't if you noticed. Our good friend Charlemagne, you know, Charles McBee comes on the show a lot. He's the head writer for Charlemagne over on Comedy Central. Uh, it's a pretty liberal show, but we're good buddies. And we don't agree on all the political issues, but we're not supposed to. The whole point of America is we can agree to disagree. We don't have to be a bunch of fat, screaming children. Mom, this isn't vote what I do. I don't want these friends. Like, we're not doing that on the show. But if you remember, ever since Biden went on Charlemagne and told black people he could revoke their black card, they stopped giving the press access to the guy. That was pretty much it for the rest of the campaign. And every press conference he has done as president has began with him looking at a note card and saying, I have a pre-selected list of reporters to call on. You gotta do better than that. It looks weak. If you can't stand up to the press, who are 99.5% liberal, how can anyone expect you to stand up to your actual enemies on the world stage? I think he's got a point. Which is why so many people believe he has emboldened places like China and Xi Jinping places like Russia and Vladimir Putin, uh, they very much look at America as a baseball team that has a catcher behind the plate with a weak arm. You dig? You know when you're watching a ball game, you don't have to be a big sports fan to know this, but if the catcher who's in charge of throwing out the base runners who are trying to steal second base or third base is perceived to have a slow arm getting the ball down the second, everybody runs on that catcher. And that's very much what's going on in our country. Okay, the cartels are running on our catcher, wide open border. Putin's running on our catcher, right into Ukraine. Okay, making all kinds of money off our energy policy in the po- in the process. China also making all kinds of money off our energy process, you know, policies. They're selling us the clean energy, you know, infrastructure that we need for solar panel and winds and stuff like that, while sim- simultaneously opening up coal plants like it's going out of style. Like for real, we're buying the cigarette patch. Off a guy who has a pack of Marlboros under his white shirt, <laughs> his T-shirt. We're buying it off the Fonz. Hey, you know. And in a lot of ways, we have our, our domestic agenda has empowered our enemies on the world stage. But the one takeaway from the Biden campaign launch yesterday, I'm not even getting into foreign policy, is that there was an awful lot of Kamala Harris in that Video. She is a fraud, a phony, a woman without a moral core, a regular two-faced, mealy-mouthed politician who swings with the wind. Now, listen, I'll put Judge Janine down as a maybe. But the point is, Kamala was everywhere. Everybody was everywhere except Biden. It was the strangest thing. I have friends who edit wedding videos for a living. And oftentimes when you're making somebody's wedding video, you will get a directive from the bride or the groom like, hey, you know. You know, that's, we're, not, we're not really good friends with these people. Don't show them a lot. Or, you know, we don't want any videos of so-and-so at the bar because we all know what happened last time. He went to a wedding and they had an open bar. That can't be good. You know, people sometimes give video producers direction. And there was a clear direction in Biden's campaign launch, and that direction was minimize the president, play up Kamala. And it's a really weird situation because Kamala is polling behind Biden. I mean, technically speaking, Kamala is polling behind ISIS, but she's all over the video. And Biden is never speaking unless he's in a a voice track shot 
for two or three seconds at a time. That's almost hard to understand. And, you know, I think a lot of people came away from that feeling like they just didn't want to put the editor through the holy hell it would be of trying to corral Biden to say words and enunciate them properly because he isn't exactly the best at that sort of thing. Make sure the television, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night, the, the, the phone. But what started out as us being like, wow, there's an awful lot of Kamala in this video. That was kind of just like an, an initial takeaway. That was like an aesthetic deduction. You know, that's what we deduced from looking at the video. Wow, not a lot of Biden, awful lot of Kamala. You know, obviously they're trying to, you know, they need voter outreach to, to women and minorities and things of that nature. Uh, so we understand why she'd be there. But as you see the way she is shaped by the editors, it's almost like she's your president, which is weird. And then there was a little bit of a tell from Corrine Jean-Pierre because she was flat out asked after the video premiered whether or not Biden would serve all eight years. And you know what answer she gave you? The typical answer, which is no answer at all out of the KJP. Bingo. Here it is, clip four. The president um, planned to serve all eight years. (laughs) I'm not, I'm just not going to get ahead of the president. That's something for him to decide. I'm not getting ahead of the president. That's something for him to decide. Don't change the subject. Just answer the f-ing question. So you've got a White House press secretary. That's not like a political thing. You're not talking about her violating the Hatch Act if someone in an administrative capacity comments on a campaign. It should not be an unanswerable question to say you believe this man is physically capable of serving a full term when you're right you're right and you're right think about that it's not you know it wasn't like are we going to invade russia in five years or are we changing the ev policy no no this is not policy just like hey you're around this guy every year every day can he go another four years and she gave you no answer what in the wide wide world of sports is it going on here i mean she was being honest is what was going on she didn't know she didn't want to answer the question And what happened is the White House realized the optics of that were bad. So they had her issue a a tweet after the press conference saying, I have no doubt that Biden's going to serve all four years. Come on, don't bullshit me. If you have no doubt, you don't even blink before you answer that question. Okay. Hey, kids, you want to get ice cream? Okay. It's never like, hey, kids, you want to get ice cream? Well, that's a matter between my parents and the good humor truck that would sell them the bomb pops or the ice cream sandwiches or the chip witch. So I'd have to redirect your interest to them. No. When the question is a no doubt answer. okay, it doesn't take five minutes. And the reason I'm harping and I'm sorry to harp, but I'm a guy who cares. My job is to care. I'm new. I'm new to this. The show has experienced explosive growth. I'm all over your TV. I'm on primetime every night in the biggest news channel in the world. It's very cool. But what's cooler to me is having an impact on regular people's lives because I care. Like I can feel confident as I'm talking to you right now that I'm bargaining with you from a good, genuine, organic place. Okay, the things that jump out at me are the things I share with you. 
I don't care how this impacts the election. I just very much want our country to be honest about what we're witnessing. Biden is the only guy you know who quits talking in the middle of a sentence because he's finished. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with uh, with uh, I don't know. Uh, now, if he stops being the president, OK, he gets replaced by the woman who was featured 12 times in the video yesterday, who talks in circles. Here is Kamala Harris talking about, I, I don't know what she was talking about. Like, this should become a call-in bit on the show. Called, like, you know, they have, like, whose line is it anyway? We should just do a call-in bit called, what the f*** is she trying to say? That's what we should do. That should be the name of the bit. You tell me. Listen to this clip. You tell me what the f*** she is trying to say. Clip 32. So... I think it's very important, as you have heard from so many incredible leaders, for us at every moment in time, and certainly this one, to see the moment in time in which we exist and are present, and to be able to contextualize it, to understand where we exist in the history and in the moment as it relates not only to the past but the future. What would you do with a brain if you had one? <laughs> I'll give it to you again. So I think it's very important, as you have heard from so many incredible leaders, for us at every moment in time, and certainly this one, to see the moment in time in which we exist in our present and to be able to contextualize it to understand where we exist in the history and in the moment of time as it relates not only to the past but to the future. What the hell did you just say? I have no idea. But this is the woman next in line to the presidency. Remember the woman who talked about the past unburdened by what has been? By It's the pursuit of doing things better than we have done. And seeing what is possible unburdened by what has been. We see what can be unburdened by what has been. What can be unburdened by what has been. What can be unburdened by what has been. We see what can be unburdened by what has been. This is a fight that is born out of seeing and knowing what can be and believing in that. Unburdened by what has been. Knowing and believing and having faith in what can be. Unburdened by what has been. Knowing what can be. Unburdened by what has been. To see what can be. Unburdened by what has been. <laughs> you sound insane. Do you realize that? You should be medicated. Folks, I'm not a right-wing strongman. The Fox News takedown. Did you listen to that? That's the woman next in line to the presidency. We always yell and scream, oh, Biden's in his late hundreds. He doesn't know where he is. He's shaking hands with the visible people. We need to invoke the 25th Amendment. Yes, we do. But not only for Biden, for Kamala, too. This is Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes. That's all, folks. Introducing the Rolex Vice Presidential Model, the watch that lets you track the passage of time, just like Kamala Harris. Talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. 
So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time. The Rolex vice presidential model is so significant, we even made one for kids. And there is such great significance to the passage of time when we think about a day in the life of our children. The Rolex vice presidential model now selling across America and coming soon to the southern border. We've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. Critics are calling it the funniest show on the radio. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, maybe. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I almost had it. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at BrianKilmeadeShow.com. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, 888-788-9910. Are you ready for a President Kamala? No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 I don't know. We're going to go to the cause on this one. Maybe I'm reading it wrong. Maybe you're all enthusiastic. Barry's batting leadoff in Los Angeles, California, Barry. Jimmy, I'm going 180 degrees, and uh, my conspiracy theory is that uh, Joe is just uh, running to box Kamala out. He's not planning on Ooh. finishing the campaign late late this year, early next year. He'll drop out. Mm-hmm. Kamala won't have enough time to to get donors and whatever else. Mm-hmm. Gavin Newsom already has all of that. Um, there might be one or two others, but so- I think Joe, Joe and Joe hate Kamala more than they want to get be known as does he hate who does who does what does joe hate more kamala or finishing a complete sentence (laughs) i'm being silly that's a good question i'm being silly listen here's the one thing about your newsome theory that i will piggyback off of barry is he's kind of running right now like he went to five red states he's airing campaigns on behalf of a pack you know, and he's certainly not doing that because he wants to be a surrogate for Biden. So I, I actually don't I don't doubt that there's a world where Biden is not running. And what I mean, you know, it's funny. Jason Chaffetz mentioned this yesterday. He's not ready to be a lame duck president just yet. So if you keep up the yeah. appearance that you're running for another four or five months, it gives you a little more leverage. And then you could eventually step aside, like you said. So yeah. we're marking today on the calendar, Barry. Okay. But it, it also, again, it will also box Kamala out. Again, the, well, listen, the, if, if, if that's what's going down, okay, Joe Biden's legacy is going to be so much better <laughs> than we thought it was going to be. Because if the one contribution he makes after all of this is there's no President Kamala, you'll even have Republicans showing up to his presidential library for that alone. Uh, Barry. Brilliant analysis as always. We'll get to more of your calls when we come back right here on the Big Bad One and Only Fox Across America. It's the morning show that uh, overslept Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is. Back in action. It's a busy Wednesday on the show. You're going to hear from Kevin Walling, who worked on the Biden campaign. This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. You stop it. We talk across the aisle on this show. We're also going to be talking to Vivek Ramaswamy, who himself is running 
for the presidency in the Republican Party in uh, 2024. So we got all of that going on. But right now it's your calls, text, tweets, carrier pigeons, 888-788-9910. My man Gil is out in Yelm, Washington. Yo, Gil. Hey, Jimmy, how you doing? Well, I'm doing, man. I, I still have a contact high from being out in your part of the country last month. Oh, come on, God. If you go into Olympia, it's crazy. <laughs> or Seattle, forget it. Oh, Seattle. I didn't know the Space Needle was filled with heroin. I had no idea. It's interesting, yeah. interesting fun fact. Um, yeah, I wanted, to, I wanted to talk to you about uh, Biden's little election uh, bid video that he put out. Give it to me. Yeah, you know, like, so I'm listening to it, and we all knew he wasn't going to do it live because there's no way he can deliver that from the podium. It would be a disaster. Mm It would be a bunch of sound bites for your show. (laughs) But when I listen to it, I'm thinking to myself, there's no way they could even edit it to make it sound this good. It would take way too long, and it's way too exhausting. (laughs) I really think that they use that AI voice cloning to do that (laughs) whole video. Uh, Listen, AI, AI actually can enunciate words a little bit better than he can. I listened to it yesterday. I was I was on Fox and Friends in the morning, like right when the video came out. It was me and Brian Kilmeade. And it's funny that Kilmeade as a radio guy had the same take you did and I did. Because as radio guys, we talked, we, we were drawn to the audio quality. So I didn't even right. notice how much they were playing up Kamala at first because I was really distracted by the audio. What I can tell you happened, for real, is they got him into a voiceover booth and realized a billion tries wouldn't have gotten this said. <laughs> So they just like probably I'm not kidding, probably five or six in. They didn't do a million. They five or six in. They were like this. You know, we're lucky he's even saying the words in the order we want them in. And that's probably what it was. And but let me just give you this, though. I think that is an edited clip anyway, in that they had him, you know, read the words slowly. Like freedom, uh, it says here democracy, uh, uh, and they cut out the ums and ahs because the cadence doesn't sound normal even for him. So I think it was a weird hatchet job. Is that what you're calling? You're calling shenanigans? You think there was an edit? Oh, there's definitely an edit. I'm mm-hmm. not even sure it's him because that sounds like him like maybe 10 years ago. It's weird. Like even then when he talks now, he's all gravelly. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't sound like him to me. It sounds like a much younger Joe Biden. Yeah, it's weird. And but- if you can imagine, if he runs his campaign from the basement again, Ooh. and just, I'm just going to do a radio thing, and he's going to do stuff like that, Ooh. he doesn't even have to talk. He doesn't have to do anything. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's crazy. So, but, but you're definitely still voting for him, right? Hey, look, I ain't picking it. I'm not, I'm not making any uh, picks until I see all the dogs in the race. Smart. It's a smart thing to do. And everybody who keeps saying, though, even on the Republican side, they're like, ah, oh, the primary is over. I'm like, dude, we have nope. 200 days to go till anyone places a vote in Iowa. And every one of those caucuses, Iowa, New Hampshire, shapes the opinion of the next voting group of people. So we have no idea what's about to go down. So I, I appreciate the restraint you are showing. Uh, and I will forgive you for the contact well, cool. talk. We've got a long way to go. And, yep. you know, and on that note, though, like uh, I can't wait to see how they count the uh, the votes in Iowa again this year. <laughs> oh, man, what a mess. I don't even know that we're still done counting from the midterms in some states. It's kind of wild. I, I don't you know, I don't I don't have I don't have answers for that one. But Gil, great call, man. We'll do it again. All right. Thanks, Jimmy. My have man. Good one. There he goes. The great Gil in Yelm, Washington. Uh, Steve is down in Pensacola Beach, Florida. I'm heading that way soon. Yo, Steve. Yemeni, hey, oh my goodness, it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, but look, uh, my my famous, you know, I listen to Biden saying if you don't vote for him, he ain't black. I say, you know, if you don't vote for Jimmy, you're not fat and funny. <laughs> I mean, I, that's all there is to it, baby. I mean, uh-huh. there's two things that I want to discuss. I don't think, I, I agree with the first caller. I don't think Biden's ever going to make it. 
Listen. I don't think he's going to make it. Uh-huh. And I also refer back to, I think it's good for the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. You know, and I work for General Haig. I'm in charge here at the White House. Mm-hmm. In 1988, we had Haig, Kemp, Dole, Bush, uh, and then the Democrats had Gephardt, they had, uh, Songus, Simon. Yep. You know, they had a good group of candidates. And I used to sit in the room, the green room, and they would all be in that room together. And there was like eight or nine candidates, and not one bad word was said between them. They all spoke to each other, Democrat, Republican. Yep. And I think what's happening with the Republican Party, God bless Trump, but I think the more, the better. And I think if you get some intelligent ideas, it's going to strengthen our cause yeah. in November. Yeah, the best thing that could happen to the Republicans is they actually have an idea battle instead of a character assassination contest. You know, exactly. I said this yesterday. Trump is the boxer, Andrew Galata. He headbutts you, bites you, thumbs you in the eye, hits you in the nuts. Uh, but that make him a bad person. No, no, I get it. The whistle blows, anything <laughs> goes. When the whistle blows, anything goes. But but what's happening is like the sensationalism is definitely taking center stage over the substance. And uh, it's it's hard for the Republicans to win the idea battle if they can't engage in it themselves. So I think it's going to be a really interesting primary. I don't think anybody has any idea how it's going to go. Uh, but I think you're spot on with your analysis that Biden – I don't buy it, man. Uh, the minute Jason Chaffetz said that yesterday, that you know Biden didn't want to be a lame duck president so he could just announce but not really do anything. Again, he announced a campaign yesterday and has no events on his schedule. He's at the White House today oh, with yeah. the South Korean president, so they'll walk out onto the balcony and wave, and he might take two or three preselected questions. But traditionally, you launch a campaign because you're campaigning. You know what I'm saying? This is yeah. this is this is the opposite. It's like you bought tickets well, to Disney World, but you're not actually buying a plane ticket to go down there. Well, I promise you this: when you get down to Pensacola, it will be an infused high. But we will go find Joe Scarborough and beat his. Hey, you behave now. I can't be yeah. advocating violence. We'll beat you him go, and scrabble. You go, girl. Thank you, girlfriend. We'll do it again. Be well. There goes Steve-O, Pensacola, Florida. He's not happy with Joe Scarborough. You are a sad, strange little man. I would agree with that assessment. Joe, Joe Scarborough. It's a really funny thing about the media. Really, I, lo- I could talk to you about the media all day right now because I don't know if you heard, but it's been a couple of media headlines in the last couple of days. Some at this network, some at other networks across town like CNN. CNN is the worst. What have you. Uh, but it is a fascinating thing about the media and how transactional they are. And I, as you know, do not have a political background. I am a dude who is driving a taxi and doing stand-up and just hoping to break through somewhere, somehow, to find an audience that kind of appreciated the work uh, so you could go have a bigger platform to tell your jokes on uh, because I am a dude that was always drawn to, like, the healing powers of comedy. Like, that's the purpose comedy served in my life. We just I come from a funny family. Everybody told jokes. Everybody made fun of each other. That's all we ever did at my house is talk smack. And in a roundabout way, we're all the same people, me, my brother, and my sister. You know, I'm basically just them. Uh, if you gave them a lot more talent. but I'm being silly now, but <laughs> I'm just talking smack. But the point is, uh, as, as someone who always appreciated the power of comedy, like we would always laugh if there was something crazy going on. You know, your grandma died. You told jokes about it. My grandma was a double amputee later in life. I remember her telling an accessorized senior citizen bus when there was a blizzard and she was getting dropped off. She's like, it's the one with no footprints in the snow. 
I was like, man, that's funny. Woman has no legs and she's making fun of the condition. I just found that funny. And I was always drawn to humor. And I can tell you before I had become a comic or at least an aspiring one, I was in New York City in the aftermath of 9-11. And as crazy as this would sound in today's like hypercharged, cancel crazed culture, every comic in New York City in the aftermath of September 11th was doing September 11th jokes. Everybody was. And it wasn't because they wanted to denigrate the suffering or mock the victims. It's because this collective group of people who frequented comedy clubs needed to laugh. They needed it. They needed an escape from the torment they were feeling when they turned on the news. So they went to these little opium dens on the Lower East Side in the West Village, and we all shared our thoughts about how the tragedy was being covered, you know, about how, you know, People were reacting about, you know, how people were nicer on the roads all of a sudden because we had like that patriotic three weeks in New York where everybody put a flag antenna on their car and stopped cutting each other off. By the fourth week, we had gone back to giving each other the finger and throwing bottles of pee at one another. But the point is I had always I had seen how comedy for a lot of people was an outlet to escape their torments. And I was drawn to that cool thing. Like you could walk into a comedy club, do an hour of material. And, yes, some people are just there purely to laugh and because they love you because they see you on TV. But there are other people you meet and you realize you really like helping them. But the point is that was my background. I wanted to be a comic and I wanted to work in radio because I grew up listening to a lot of radio and just really liked it. So having gotten this platform, I've just always wanted to kind of use it for good. You know, that was like the draw. When Fox was crazy enough to give me a show, I was like, how can you use this to have a positive impact on people's lives? Wouldn't that be cool? And that's still the goal, you know, because I'm still new enough to this to care. I'm not so rich that I'm on like my third wife (laughs) I'm just like an out-of-control monster. I'll get there. I mean, give me time, and I hope. Uh, I don't know about the third wife. There's no replacing the first one. But the point is, I've always wanted to use the platform for good. And in the process of doing this show every day, I'm really trying to consume this stuff, not through the lens of somebody who has a background in politics, but through the lens of a regular person who just had this moment thrust upon them. You know, I showed up to this channel as a cab driver to do a guest hit on Kennedy. And did a hit, drove away in my taxi and continued to do open mics and stand-up shows and stuff like that for the intervening years. And then eventually I got brought in here to be talent and write on a TV show and appear on a TV show and then host a radio show. And then it became my own show. And now you see me all over the channel. Like this is a thing that's just happened to me that's incredible that I'm you know overwhelmingly profoundly grateful for. But my lens is still your lens. I am one of you. So when I look at the relationship between politics and the media and Trump and the people who work in politics and try to get media hits and piggyback off of Trump or piggyback against Trump, okay, I have a kind of a unique perspective in that I'm focusing on a bigger picture. I think in media it's so omnipotent in our lives now. The news is on your phone. Okay, the news is on your TV. The news is on your computer. The news is on your tablet. The news is in your car. The news is in your elevator. The news is at the urinal when you go to a restaurant. It's everywhere you look now. And I think it creates in a lot of ways something I call a prisoner of the moment, where a lot of people are so hyper-focused on what went on today that they forget about what went on yesterday, what went on a week ago, what went on a month ago. And I bring that up as it pertains to Trump and the media slander of Trump because five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, I wasn't like super political. And so I was a guy, not that I was necessarily a Trump fan, but he was on TV constantly. He was on Joe Scarborough. 
okay, he was a guy that would go on The View and do hits. The View was awful. But he was doing it, okay? He was a guy that you would see on Oprah. He was a guy you'd hear on Howard Stern all the time before Howard Stern went from the king of all media to the Prince Harry of all media, just whining in obscurity over on Sirius. God love him. Had a hell of a career. He's a little cranky now. Uh, but I used to watch Trump on NBC, host The Apprentice for 14 years. I didn't watch the show, but I knew he was on for 14 years. I knew he was part of the fabric of polite society. And when he came down the escalator and said, decided he was going to run for president, every one of those outlets that had had him on their TV shows for the last 30 years all turned around and said, who is this monster? What an animal. I don't even know the guy. He's literally Hitler. What a fraud. But that began in this prisoner of the moment world we live in. Okay, the pebble became a boulder and has rolled downhill into this full-on societal avalanche where people, their emotions are completely divorced from the facts when it comes to political discourse in this day and age. And everyone who's, lit- who's telling you Trump is literally Hitler is doing so with no regard for the fact that that would make them literally, literally Goebbels, okay, because they aided and abetted this Hitler for 20 years, 30 years, in some instances longer in media. Donald Trump has been a part of the fabric in this country since about 1980. He was doing Barbara Walters interviews. In 77, he was hanging out in Yankee Stadium with the late, great George Steinbrenner. He was always a part of the scene both politically, from a media standpoint. So I saw the fraud in how the media turned Trump from, you know, foul-mouthed, you know, uh, pugnacious real estate developer, you know, flashy playboy, man about town, always a little crass. But he was never any of the things they, they tried to turn him into, like criminal mastermind. You know, genocidal Russian, you know, bot. You know, it wasn't any of those things. Not a racist, not a rapist, not a killer, not any of the things they tried to turn him into. And as I watched that disingenuous pivot, it drew me to this fight. It drew me further into this conversation because I wanted there to be somebody who could offer you perspective. Now, I do a lot of it through comedy because it strikes me as a way to reach more people. If I get on the air and just yell a political talking point, some people agree and punch their dashboard like right on. But you know what a lot of the people do? They actually look for the knob and they change the program. <laughs> so we're sitting here just trying to engage in a good faith dialogue because we legitimately care. But Joe Scarborough is one of those dudes who couldn't book Trump fast enough. Couldn't visit Mar-a-Lago fast enough. But the minute Trump eclipsed him in the media, Scarborough's ego couldn't handle it. So he went from whitewashing the fact that he hung out at Mar-a-Lago anytime he could get an invite to this guy's literally Hitler who would even talk to him. That's just how white folks will do you. But that's the scam of our politics right now. It's become an exercise in selling the public on what your opponent is. What can you convince the public your opponent happens to be? And that's why the country is so screwed up, is we're not talking about the issues facing us. We're not talking about a porous border come 2024. You know, fentanyl overdose deaths, the fact that kids are two years behind at a reading level. We're not talking about any of that. We're going to talk about who's Hitler, who's a white supremacist. It's all a scam. But the point is, if that's the way this battle gets fought, okay, a idea battle minus ideas 
then whoever wins the election turns all of us into losers. And I'm out here in the real world, and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. You're riding around with America's cabbie. Taxi! Taxi! You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. It is Fox Across America. Your main man, Jimmy Fallon. 888-788-9910. Going to talk across the aisle in the X hour. Kevin Walling is going to be in the house. Vivek Ramaswamy stopping by as well. We'll get into more of your calls, texts, tweets, carrier pigeons. Talking about people being a president of the moment and folks trying to memory hole previous positions. Here's Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau trying to claim he never forced vaccines on anyone. Clip 33. There are potential side effects in vaccinations. And there you know, are people who've probably gotten very sick from vaccinations. Mm. And therefore, while not forcing anyone to get vaccinated, I chose to make sure that all the incentives and all the protections were there to encourage Canadians to get vaccinated. And that's exactly what they did. We got vaccinated to a higher level than just about any other of our peer countries. And that's why we had a less deadly pandemic than most other countries. Garbage like you just makes me sick. Yes, he gave people incentives to get vaccinated. You know, like the National Guard (laughs) that he brought in to break up the truckers that didn't want to get vaccinated. You know, like firing people from their jobs that didn't want to get vaccinated. But this is the thing I'm discussing, okay? They get out here months removed from what we all saw them do and claim they never did it. Because people don't think beyond the moment. That's why you got guys like me to throw the challenge flag. You're welcome. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is. Back in action. Big hour. Coming up on Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. 888-788-9910 if you want a piece of this action. Kevin Walling. He is coming by. He is a Democratic strategist. He is going to join us in this hour. That was the worst thing I ever heard. No, ma'am. We talk across the aisle on Fox Across America. It's a family meeting, man. We just kind of get together, hash it out. Yes, we take the issue seriously. No, we don't take ourselves seriously at all. Folks, the world is on fire. All I'm doing is handing out marshmallows. Pick up a stick and be a part of the fun. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? According to the media, uh, voters not digging the idea of a second Biden presidency. Come on, man. I want to play some clips. This is interesting. And I want to ask Walling about this. And I'm going to ask Vivek Ramaswamy about this. He's a Republican nominee. He's running in the Republican Party. He's joining us uh, in the next hour. There is a genuine intellectual curiosity being demonstrated by the media in this moment. You've seen a few cursory pieces. The New York Times, CNN even tried to look impartial yesterday. People aren't buying it, CNN, you dumb bastard. But the point is they are at least paying some lip service to Joe Biden's age, which is a legitimate question. I don't begrudge him you know, any of the cognitive issues he appears to be facing because there, but for the grace of God, go I. But the point is, 
we all have met people in our lives with dementia or in some various state of cognitive decline, but the one thing they all had in common is none of them were president. Correct the mundo. All of that changed when Biden got sworn in. Tell them like it is. Okay. Biden's a mess. I don't take any joy in saying that. And again, I would have no issue electing a guy like Biden who happens to be in his late hundreds if I thought he could actually do the job or at the very least he was fortified by someone who could do the job. But they don't have anybody in that White House who has any idea what they're doing. I'm Kamala Harris and I approve this message. But here we are. Okay, Biden launches his campaign yesterday via video, which again is concerning. It's not live ammo. They've really minimized the rallies. He's done 25% fewer interviews than Trump. That's the actual number. Uh, excuse me, 25% has met yes, so 75% fewer interviews than Trump. 75% fewer. He has done the least amount of interviews of any president since President Reagan. Now understand, back when President Reagan was the president, there were basically three major news networks, newspapers all over the country. We didn't have cable news. We didn't have millions of podcasts. We didn't have anything. But to compare him in an era of endless media to Reagan, okay, where there weren't even that many outlets, you would almost argue he's done, I mean, infinitesimally fewer interviews. They never let the guy anywhere near an open mic. If you like Biden so much, name three of his complete sentences. So the people that are being honest, who are being honest, they are a little concerned about his age. I'll give them credit. Here is CNN. We'll start off with CNN. We do a lot of bashing of CNN on this show, you know, when they do something stupid or disingenuous. But here is CNN in what I would consider a random act of journalism. Remember the late, great Rush Limbaugh would talk about a random act of journalism. Well, one of the drive-bys, you know, would from time to time ask a relevant question. Here is Arlette Sainz uh, over on CNN, Arlette Sainz anyway, asking a legitimate question, clip 18. The president is facing serious headwinds when it comes to the public perception about whether or not he should run. And chief among those concerns are the president's 80-year-old age. Now, if you take a look at a recent poll that was out from NBC News, the majority of the American public does not believe Biden should seek a second term. And within his own Democratic Party, half of Democrats do not believe the president should run for re-election. Now, if you look at the concerns that these voters have, uh, the uh, nearly half of them uh, say that his age is a major issue. President Biden is 80 years old. He would be 86 at the end of a second term if he were to win. But his advisors uh, believe that they can overcome these concerns about his age. His allies have pointed to his records and say the voters ultimately will side with him when they look at the alternatives. But it's very clear that these questions about his age will present a very steep challenge for the president as he tries to get voters on board with the second term. I admire your honesty. Give her credit. Okay, we throw a lot of smoke over at CNN, vice versa. These media wars never end. Okay, but the truth is she at least acknowledged, acknowledged that it's a valid question. Okay, at the time Joe Biden was sworn in, he was the oldest president in the history of our country. Now we're asking him to go eight years further. That's Use your common sense. Okay, think about that. On January 20th, 2021, Biden was sworn in as president. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. Okay, you would now ask him to be president from January 20th, 2021, all the way up until January 20th, 
2029. I mean, you want me to believe with a straight face that's a good idea? This is totally false. Okay. Harry Condeblue over on CNN also asking the valid question, and then we'll get to MSNBC. Uh, but let's go here. Clip eight. Look, they're not in a good spot. To me, my frustration is they had years to develop younger, more viable candidates. And and they didn't. And part of that is like what I was saying, like it's a, it, the establishment does not want to change. Like with Obama, that wasn't their that wasn't their guy. And he kind of was this transcendent figure. And we have these figures in the Democratic left, whether it's AOC or or all these justice Democrats, you might think maybe they're not electable, but there isn't even an attempt to cultivate them at a higher level. The fact that they won their seats to begin with means they defied the odds. So isn't that worth investing in? Well, not when it comes to AOC. AOC is a dope. But he's speaking to the obvious problem facing the party is they don't have a bench. You know, they want you to believe Gavin Newsom's warming up in the bullpen, but have you seen California? Like California, they like you literally can't rent a U-Haul to flee. That's how many people are fleeing. Okay, you can't get a U-Haul. Like you say, ah, oh, honey, I found this great job and I'm going to relocate to Texas, pack the U-Haul, we're going. <laughs> can't get one. You can't get one. The wait lists are months, months long in places like L.A. and San Francisco and even parts of San Diego like La Jolla, which is gorgeous. People are fleeing. Because the quality of life is in the toilet, like literally in the toilet. And sadly, the toilet is actually on the sidewalk these days. But you can't sell Gavin Newsom on a national level because every Republican commercial just becomes B-roll footage of what's going on down in California. California, you know, I don't take any joy in saying it. I love California. I root for this country. California, it just looks like the second half of the thriller video. That's all it looks like. All the manhole folks just, you know, it's like a, a human safari. I go there with Jenny and Lincoln on the 4th of July to see Kennedy, and it's sad. It's a human safari. Like, look at that one. It's coming towards the car. Don't feed him. It's, it's terrible. I don't, I don't like to say it. It's not good. Okay, but here is Dan Pfeiffer, who is, of course, a former senior White House advisor to Obama, and he also says the age is a legitimate question. Clip 7. You can't avoid it. it. Joe Biden's age is an absolutely legitimate question that has to be answered in this election. It should be. The salience of that question is going to depend on two things. One, how old the Republican nominee is. If it is Donald Trump, who is, I think, a relatively aged 76-year-old, I think the the question of Biden's age goes down. And it's how he handles himself on the campaign trail. And if he handles himself on the campaign trail over the next two years, like he has in the White House over the next four years, he will easily meet the threshold the American people want. And so you can't run away from it. The only way to get there is not around its throat. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing. So Dan Pfeiffer, not completely sold on the idea that we can make this age thing go away, and for good reason. Okay, if you want to uh, not nominate a guy who's been in Washington since Washington, voters have every right to ask for a clean bill of cognitive health. Have they gotten one from Biden? The answer would be no. Okay, when we talk about transparency, it goes beyond press conferences. Okay, Biden's doctor, when he gives him an annual physical, doesn't speak to the press. Do you remember when Ronnie Jackson was the doctor? He served as the doctor under Obama, and he served as the doctor under Trump. And do you remember when he gave Trump a clean bill of health and the media wouldn't take it? No way. They wanted to kill the guy. They were screaming questions at him. The media is a bunch of losers. But do you remember that? (laughs) It's like uh, the president's got a clean bill of health. Uh, 
normal heart rate, normal blood pressure. They were like, oh, hell no. <laughs> he ain't healthy. And like, no, he's just he's fine. I'm not saying he's going to run a marathon and break the record. He just seems to be OK. <laughs> the New York Times and The Washington Post were like, he should be both arrest this guy. What do you mean? Trump has a clean bill of health. He should be behind bars. But is anyone asking to see the results of Biden's physical in The New York Times or The Washington Post? And I think we all know the answer. That's why I don't read the newspaper, because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. But I want to tell you something, because this made me laugh. OK, the Biden, this is the deal with Biden. I don't care. You could be 700 years old. I, I don't care if the country's in good shape. I don't care what party you're, you're in. I don't care what you identify as. I don't care about anything. OK, I have a family and I am trying to, you know, Live a good life in this country. I've had some luck lately, but it's, you know, I'm also working 22 hours a day to make that happen. And it's great and it's wonderful. And I'm very grateful for the opportunity. But the point is, okay, I have always been the beneficiary of America. You know, I am aware that I have American privilege. I have the ability to work as hard as I want, to go as far as I want, because I was born in this country. It's something we often overlook in our political discourse, as you hear stupid terms like white privilege. Ah, shut up. You, you all have work privilege. You live in America, you have work privilege. Go as hard as you want. Be anything you want to be. You have that American privilege that goes with your work privilege. If you want to put the time in, you can literally do Anything on earth you want to do. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. So I don't sit here rooting against the country for four years if I don't get my way in an election. I just want to see that work privilege, that American privilege endure for future generations. That's all I really care. That's like my actual side. Yeah, I lean to the right unapologetically. So I'll side with them in pretty much every culture war issue out there. But as a country goes, we all go. So it's not worth hoping the other side tanks so you can win the ele next election. There's no point of being in charge of the country if there's no country left to be in charge of. So I want them all to succeed, but they're not succeeding. One of the reasons why is our elections have devolved into propaganda contests. I talked about this in the previous hour. Politics now is more about defining your opponent than it is defining yourself, which is why yesterday in Biden's campaign launch video, he talked about MAGA extremists. He showed January 6th footage. Okay, does January 6th help a struggling single mom pay a bill? The answer would be no. Does January 6th lower the record level of fentanyl deaths plaguing us right now? The answer would be no. Black murder rate is at 35-year high to showing January 6th footage and pretending it was a white supremacist attempt to overthrow the government, lower any of that? The answer would be no. You know where this is going. This bit goes on for days. Okay, so most of what they do, though, is about defining your opponents, a battle for the soul of our nation. I don't know how the soul of the nation gets you a job, makes eggs more affordable. I don't know how it does any of that things. But these are the kind of vague, emotionalist platitudes they deal in. One of the reasons they don't actually try to define themselves is when they do, it comes off as laughable propaganda. Here is uh, Cristobal Alex on MSNBC trying to say with a straight face as a former aide to Biden, the age is not an issue and that he can't even keep up with somebody like Joe Biden. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. Well, he's going to sell it here first. It's clip nine. The people out there who seem to be the most motivated are the youngest voters, Gen Z uh, and millennials. Is that an issue for Biden? 
No, it's not. Uh, I'll start with personal experience. Uh, obviously, I worked closely with the president on his first, uh, on the last election campaign that he won. And I will tell you, having traveled with him, and Mike knows this very well, I mean, he runs his staff ragged. He's up yeah. earlier than we are. He's working harder than we are. He's on the run. It's exhausting, the campaign with him. And that's how he is every single day. So I, knowing him, I'm not worried at all about the age, especially when you compare to someone like Donald Trump, who's just a little bit younger than he is, but yeah. way mm. out of shape. So not something uh. that I'm worried about. Straight clown. No, no, I'm not worried about his age. You know the guy who shakes hands with invisible people? He was calling out to the woman who died, goes the wrong way at the end of the speech. The White House band is getting overtime because of how many renditions of Hail to the Chief they're forced to play while this guy figures out which direction he's going in. Joe Biden, the only president in history who takes more time to exit a speech than he does to give one. But no, no, no. I'm not worried about his age at all. You don't have a clue. The show not afraid to call out both sides of the aisle. He's the other side's worst nightmare. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. If you're having trouble sleeping, ask your doctor about Bidenica, the sleep aid made from 100% Joe Biden press conference. The best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you, uh, um, like to be able to, anyway. Bidenica has a patented blend of confusion and forgetfulness that will calm the most overactive brains. COVID has taken this year, just since the outbreak, has taken more than 100 years. Look, here's the lives. It's just, it's, I mean, you think about it. When they sold out American jobs and killed the Keystone Pipeline, it kept me up all night worrying about how we pay our bills. But then I got Bidenica, and I've never slept better. Sometimes when I get hopped up on sugar, my parents give me Bidenica so I pass out. Other times they give it to me during the day, probably so they can do the deed. Gross. Warning. People who have used Bidenica have experienced rapid lying and an inability to secure the southern border. Others have hallucinated and fought breakfast cereals. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Ask your doctor if Bidenica is right for you. Wow. Definitely a better sleep aid than a president. If we're being completely honest with each other in this moment, you know what I'm saying? It's a mess. Uh, But we're going to be talking with Kevin Walling. He worked on the Biden campaign in 2020, and he will, of course, be in this studio in the next break to discuss Joe and, of course, Kamala. (laughs) That laugh, man. It's a rough one. I played this clip earlier. It made me laugh really hard. I feel bad doing it to you again. This is clip 32. Just listen to the redundancy in this Kamala speech. Clip 32. So I think it's very important as you have heard from so many incredible leaders, for us at every moment in time, and certainly this one, to see the moment in time in which we exist and are present, and to be able to contextualize it, to understand where we exist in the history and in the moment as it relates not only to the past but the future. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. (laughs) I can't. This is next in line to the presidency. It's like Xi Jinping, Vladimir Putin, bad dudes. 
thugs, human rights abusers. Okay, you bad, bad Leroy Brown, baddest dude in the whole damn town. Okay, we're putting Leroy Brown on the phone with this lady. So I think it's very important, as you have heard from so many incredible leaders for us at every moment in time, and certainly this one, to see the moment in time in which we exist in our own present and to be able to contextualize it, to understand where we exist in the history and in the moment in time as it relates not only to the past, but the future. Are you stupid or something? She is so dumb, she studied for a COVID test. Get her out. Get her out of here. (laughs) Well said. It's America's life coach. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fox Across America presents Great Moments in Presidential History. I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the Earth. Tonight, I am directing NASA to develop a permanently manned space station and to do it within a decade. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with... uh, with, uh, I don't know. Sharp as a tack, I tell you. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Joining now in studio by a man who would never laugh at a joke about our dear president. Who was that last guy? I, I recognize <laughs> Reagan. I recognize JFK. <laughs> I didn't catch the last one. You see him all over the Fox News channel. Uh, he did work on the Biden 2020 campaign. But he is here to work on your ears right now, girlfriend. Kevin Wallach is in the house. Darn right. The crowd goes wild. You can literally, you can't Pause even hear us talk. Listen we got chicken wire up over the stage, though. There's some <laughs> bottles being thrown. We talk across the aisle on this show, Kevin Walling, and it's good to see you. It's the it's best. I love these conversations. All right, so there. The last time you were on, you had gotten engaged. That's okay. true. You and had, we're still engaged. You had gotten engaged. Out. You and your man had gotten engaged. Yeah. And I think that's fabulous. Have you set a date yet? Uh, we have two twenty four twenty four. Ooh, so this is legit. This is a thing, though. This is a thing. I'm locked two, in. There's two, but there's two types of engagements, and this is not unique to anyone's sexual orientation. I know this. Okay, there's an engagement ring, and then there's also something I call. Just bear with me. A shut the. F- up ring. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like you've been dating someone a while. Yeah. They've had friends that got engaged that were dating like years shorter than you were. You're going to get killed in your sleep if you don't eventually get engaged. This this was a quick engagement. Uh, we'd mm. only been together a year. but when you know, Oh, you so know. you guys really thought this through. Yeah, no, well, no, nice. no one's getting any younger here. Thank you. This hair isn't getting any thicker, so let's make it, <laughs> let's make it happen. Is that how marriage works in the gay community? Yeah, you're you're racing a hairline? You have, a, you have an expiration date in the gay community. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is rapidly approaching. Uh, Alex is fine. He's got many more years. But Alex has got time. But Kevin yeah. Rowling was he was racing the clock. You know, like the movie Speed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> got I got to keep that bus over keep fifty. That bus going, baby. <laughs> With it's... gas prices the way they are too. Oh. oh my god. Well, don't worry. Pretty soon your party's going to force electric vehicles on all of us. Hey, we've got some solar buses out there. I'm sure. Yeah, they're here and there. <laughs> this is the problem with the. So- I don't care what you run the bus on. The problem is not what's powering the bus. It's what's on the bus. That's probably true. As someone who That's takes mass true. transit in New York City all the time, <laughs> I wouldn't care if the if the subway was powered by dreams. If I was <laughs> if I wasn't the only guy wearing pants on it, you know what I mean. So the issue is not the power; it's the personnel when That's it comes true. to mass transit. That's true. Took power with cars. Um, let me ask you a question about Biden relaunching yesterday. This is my interesting question. Yeah. Okay. We all you've probably been asked on a thousand TV shows about the seventy percent don't want him to run again, but I can 
itemize that number because you know when you hear 70 percent don't want to run, that doesn't mean Democrats aren't going to vote for him. Totally. You yep. know, they don't want to, you might not want him to run, but if he does it, you know what it's I'm a saying? It's choice election. Yeah. Exactly. You're, it's, two, it's two in the morning in the bar. Yeah, yeah. You might not have walked in, you know, with your eyes on, okay, whatever. I don't want to describe her or him <laughs> in your case. I don't, you know, it doesn't matter. But the point is the option becomes the option at 2 a.m. Um, but here's my question about the age thing. It's very interesting to me. Okay, which is obviously I'm probably breaking ground and bringing up his age. I know no one ever does that, so bear with me here. He's a spring chicken. Uncharted. <laughs> He's a spring chicken that just happens to be on an assembly belt at a Purdue farm. <laughs> He's a spring chicken. With, with those aviators. With barbecue sauce on him. Um, does the age of the GOP nominee matter? Right now to you as someone who's like, well, that's a good question. I mean, Mm -hmm. when Donald Trump was elected, we forget this. He was the oldest elected president ever. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we didn't see this wall to wall coverage about the age issue with Donald Trump. And I think that necessarily goes out the window if he's the nominee. He's going to be 78 on Election Day. Joe Biden's going to be 81, I think, on Election Day. I mean, Uh, it's a three year difference or four year difference Mm -hmm. when you're that age. Well, I I think people would argue, though, that Trump looks more. Robust fit. in his age, not fit. fit. I can't argue fit. <laughs> Healthy? I can't argue fit. Is not that's you know. News to me. That's the one thing. If you're going to make the health argument, Trump, I'm like, <laughs> you might not want to do a daily photo op at McDonald's. Exactly. <laughs> like maybe do one exactly. market. No, no. But I think I think the perception is more of Biden. You know, being in a state of cognitive decline. I'm not a doctor. I can't diagnose sure. him. Whereas Trump is just more known more as like a hothead who's tweeting and truth socialing. But my question is. If there is a world, because the reason like Asa, an Asa Hutchinson is in there, sure. the reason Nikki Haley or Tim Scott is ultimately going to be in there, is I don't think any of them has designs on beating Trump. I think there's this outside thought that Trump might not even be in the race by January of next year if he's been indicted three times. Now, I don't know that Trump would walk away under any circumstance. Yeah. But and he the can vote, still run for, of course for he president could. from jail. Of course, of course yeah. he could. But I think the reality of how much this, this race could change overnight could leave us in a place come January, February of next year where you're looking at a Republican nominee that's presumably 30 years younger than Biden. At that point, are you concerned about his age? No, because I think we'll take the fight to, to whomever. But 18 months is a, an, an eternity in politics yeah, for in sure. terms of those dynamics, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, but listen, I, you know, I think you know, I've seen the president up close and personal. I think part of the problem, I think, with the narrative with Biden's age uh, is the gaffes issue. And that's been going on for 50 years. It was years. going on when he was He 50. has stumbled. Yeah. You know, he's talked openly about the stuttering and stuff like that. And I think we have a perception in this country to, to interpret that stuttering uh-huh. as some kind of decline or but, something like that. When if you go back to his Senate, uh, you know, Senate speeches uh-huh. in the 70s and 80s, he stumbled over words and things like that. Now, so I think these that's the, more on Are display. these the original speeches or the plagiarized speeches? <laughs> no comment. Kevin Walling taking <laughs> shots. Uh, do you think, though, the White House – on any level is playing into this by limiting his media exposure the way they do. Well, I don't know if they're necessarily limiting their media exposure. I think, you know, you have a give and take with the press corps. They always want – they would love daily press conferences with the president. They would want that with yeah. Donald Trump, who was a ratings boost to all of those Well, he would give it to them, like too, that. though. That's Certainly. I mean, he would answer questions Anything. more off the cuff and helicopter visits and stuff like that. But I think what you're seeing is – a concerted effort to almost bring the presidency back to where it was, right? It was much more controlled during the Obama administration, much more controlled during the Bush administration, right? Really tailored press conferences, meet and greets, those kinds of things. And Trump threw it out the window. And now, now that's our imp- impression of what the, the White House and the president should be. And I think it's just more of a return to what it was in the past. Ooh, Kevin Walling says defense wins championships. And Amen. this White House just happens Slow, to Slow, steady wins the race. But I would go out on a limb and say they're more defensive-minded 
uh, under this president. But you're not wrong to say the presidency never looked like the one Trump gave us. I, I think they were pretty defensive with George W. Bush, too, in so? terms of the, some, some of the stuff. You know, Dana Perino is a friend of ours. I think oh, yeah. she had a lot of work to do to clear up some there. of the comments and stuff like that. Well, Trump was the opposite. Trump was, I always say this to people, he gave us the first OnlyFans presidency. <laughs> he showed you everything. Whether I you want my to, subscription whether back. You want, <laughs> whether you I want, want my $9.99. Whether you wanted to see it or not, he was going to show you that corner of the presidency. Kevin Walling is in studio. What do you make of the uh, the scuttlebutt that Gavin Newsom hasn't canceled his weekly Manny Petty, and he's still trying I mean, to say funky fresh? I mean, Gavin has been running for president since he was mayor of San Francisco. Yeah. So I think, you know, when you have designs on that, nothing's going to stop you. But, he, you know, he sent out a really great email yesterday. I'm on his mailing list. I don't know how I got on there. But he was super supportive of the president. The president campaigned for him uh, during his you know, recall uh, campaign. Oh, listen, uh, anybody was really effective. Anyone willing to set foot in California right now? <laughs> I was just there you last appreciate. week. It's great. Listen, I was I in Palm there. Springs. It's it has. Beautiful. Listen, there are plenty of places. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I'm laughing. I don't think you spent time in Compton, probably, well, on with that me. trip. Oh, I okay. go to Randy's Donuts. All I go right. everywhere. All right. No, no, I got real street cred. Like, okay. we get into it. We, I've been to every Roscoe's. Uh, <laughs> if you come by my office, I'll show you the pictures you of Lincoln and all the Roscoe's. For... <laughs> Do you know Lincoln's, at, at the first Roscoe's he ever went to in Englewood, it meant a lot to him because he was like nine years old. Yeah, yeah. A man in a urinal referred to him as white bread. There you go. And he appreciated it. <laughs> the guy was he's, too... He's ready for prison should that ever happen. <laughs> this is the kind of... Lincoln... Stay on the up and up. What kind of quality parent I am. Lincoln was nine years old at the time. He went to the bathroom on his own, and he came back to the table, and he goes, somebody asked me, what are you doing in here, white bread? (laughs) That's amazing. What a good life experience. He's ready for anything. Chicken and waffles. You had me at chicken and waffles, Kevin Walling. Um, Let me ask you this then, okay, because Asa Hutchinson jumped in Mm -hmm. today. Vivek Ramaswamy's coming me. by. Did I know. he announce today? I know, it weird. God he did. He jumped him. in. It From was Arkansas. weird. Yeah. yeah, I know. So former governor of Arkansas, he's in the race now. You get DeSantis in the race. DeSantis is in the race. Mm-hmm. Once you see the PACs a- airing the commercials, you can't really sidestep the question anymore. You're just you know, prolonging the date. Scott with an exploratory committee means he's in the race. My question is, as a Democratic guy, as a Democratic strategist for Joe Biden in the previous campaign, do you have a favorite Republican you want to run against? Uh, I mean, I, I, there's some great people that are running, right? So, you know, Alex Such a and I diplomat. split our time between South Carolina and D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've gotten to know a bunch of these folks. You know, Alex is at Nikki Haley's kickoff, for example. Um, I think she, you know, she's a great candidate for the right. I, I want a more diverse Republican Party. I want a party that harkens back to Ronald Reagan and strength overseas and kind of li- more limited government. Okay. Taking all these, like, banning books and— Attacking trans We're not attacking trans folks. I want to clarify that, yeah. Kevin Walling. Hold on now. Okay. The re- official Republican position, and I think this is very difficult right now to have legit political discourse. Me and you do it pretty well. Um, the official Republican position is we don't care what anyone over the age of 18 wants to do with their body, but we do feel like it's being forced on children at a younger age, and we don't appreciate that. We don't want sure. we don't want anyone to usurp parental authority. When you hear things like sanctuary states for kids who want to transition, we won't tell the parents. We don't like that. Sure, okay, no, I, but I, it's not anti. Totally it's not anti-trans. But I think everything that's what's so hard right now is everything is framed as anti-trans. Yeah, you know, like they'll say. You know, we're denying transgender children health care, which I think the connotation of that is if a transgender kid gets the flu, we're like, nope, you're well, on your own. Uh, but so, that's not health care. We're talking about gender affirming. Listen, I agree, sold. I agree with you on the kids front. Right. Okay. And the parents absolutely have a role in that. And they should be 
fully engaged on that on that front. I think it's problematic in what we're seeing in some of these states from some of the radical right folks are all out bans on medical treatment no matter the age. And but we've seen I, bills when introduced you about medical from the tre- Republicans I'm, I'm gonna let you finish on your point, that front. But, but medical treatment, again, sounds like medical treatment, like Johnny broke Transitioning his arm. treatment, yeah, yeah. which and is medicine. I got to be honest, as someone who's watched a kid develop, mm-hmm. okay, I, I'm not in favor of the government telling you anything. Okay, but the government's been Amen. telling us plenty. Okay, I mean we could do vaccines alone forever, but stick with me. Okay, yeah. as someone who's watched a kid develop, I can tell you that who you are as five are, is not who you are at six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, or twelve. So I'm not on board with anyone granting a kid the autonomy to make a permanent physical, surgical, life-altering decision that will require more surgeries and more medicine. Sure. But I think there's a lot of people in the medical community that can show you and me research that says we should be doing this, but there's a lot of money to be made off doing it, and that's where my skepticism I, comes in. Listen, I don't think it's a moneymaker necessarily. I think it's – I want government out of that whole process, right? I want parents very much involved in that process. But I don't think a government – and I spend some time in these state legislatures – and the kind of people that run for the state legislature yeah. that are not medical experts, that's not the role of government. Let doctors decide with the parents. Don't ban parents from that process. But let's not have government intrude on all-out bans on medical treatment for kids you know, that are 18 uh-huh. right, or younger. Yes. Right? Uh-huh. I think it's just a slippery slope, and just government doesn't have a role in that. Parents certainly do. Kids certainly do. And the doctors do. But get, the, get some of these wacko... Mm-hmm. Uh, state legislators with no experience that don't even have kids, many cases, get them out of the process. You know, get government out of that. What government shouldn't be dictating medical procedures? No, let, I, I give you that. I give, give folk give them the option. I give you that all day. Kevin, and the parents can say no, right? Kevin Walling in studio. He wants Bud Light in charge of your child's health care. <laughs> he just basically said it in a roundabout way. Well, I kidding. just opened up a can right here. <laughs> He's chugging them. He's got the a official Bud Light. beverage of Fox Across America. Bud Light. <laughs> What Jimmy won't tell you, listeners, he's got oh, a cold blue one right here. I don't think anyone. Any, I don't think anyone wonders if I'm drinking or not during the show. I think they're all convinced that I am, or I'm moved on to something stronger. Uh, so give me this, okay? Yeah. Who do you think is the would be the toughest Republican to beat? Who do you think would be the easiest? Uh, Trump is the easiest, right? Because we've done it before. We just did it two years ago. Some eight million more Ameri- uh, Americans voted for the alternative. I think again, Nikki Haley is tough. Tim Scott is tough. Anytime you can appeal to the suburban folks mm-hmm. and bring back kind of the more compassionate conservatism, uh-huh. and we're seeing it on display on the abortion issue. I think Republicans are having a really tough time navigating. Haley's that the one trying right to push now, the definition. She doing, yeah. yeah. So she was doing that yesterday with that that speech mm-hmm. that you gave. I think it was like the Susan B. Anthony mm-hmm. Association or whatever it is. Um, uh, so I think anyone who can do that effectively, talk about crime, bring more suburban folks, not just women, but also men to the fold, because mm-hmm. crime is uh, a key issue, um, and do it in a compassionate way, that's dangerous for the Democrats. Yeah. I, 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 right now, as it stands— and she's been on the show. She's pretty funny. She gave me a hard time about my wardrobe, which I enjoyed. I remember. I think I was on just you know, yeah, shortly yeah, like right after, after her. her. Yeah. She's a good egg. Um, I think the way it stands right now is everybody, because we are such prisoners of the moment in the 24-hour news cycle that's so omnipotent in our lives, mm-hmm. everybody always thinks the political movement moment we're living in is the only one we'll ever inhabit. Yeah. So everyone on the right's like, oh, Trump's got it. It's over. He's the nominee. It's funny because I saw Chuck Todd do this to Chris Sununu the other day. Sununu from New Hampshire had said uh, on multiple occasions, I don't think Trump will be the nominee. 
So Sunday, Chuck Todd, like, pistol whipped him with a montage. Like, here's you saying you won't be the nominee on five occasions. What do you say now? Yeah. I'm like, dude, what I say now is it's uh, April 25th. (laughs) Exactly. And they don't start voting until January. Yeah. It's really weird how everyone is so stuck in the moment. Totally. And he could very well be the nominee. I have no idea. But that's the part of this I think is so crazy is that not a lot of people are dealing in perspective. Totally. That's kind of our superpower. Yeah. Half the audience wants us both dead at this point for this. <laughs> We're just going to drink our Bud Lights in peace over but here. But we did it. <laughs> Walling. All right. That's enough out of Walling. <laughs> Kevin Walling, we'll do it again. I love it. All right. Rock and roll. Can't there, wait. There he goes. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. It's the show that never hits the books. I love the poorly educated. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, and I'm actually going to spend a few extra moments with Kevin Walling. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 It's a tough crowd out there, but in here, it is the Olive Garden, Kevin Walling. When you're here, you're family. And thank you. This is like a bonus content. This is this is very sweet. We only have like two minutes left in the hit. Okay? Yeah. So this is almost like we're doing a TV hit together. Okay. I was telling this to somebody yesterday because they were like, why, you know, why does radio matter to you? And I, I said to them, I said, you know, it's funny you asked that. I said, because in radio, we traditionally have a lot of time to talk and you really get to know the person behind the politics and your ideas can be evolved over the course of a few exchanges. Totally. TV is a smash and grab where not only do we have two minutes to talk, but there's a news story other than the one we're talking about on the bottom of the screen and a picture of the guy coming up next to the right of that. <laughs> and it's like it's very assembly line. It's rapid fire. So I like the hang of radio. Yeah. That being said, we have a minute and a half now. <laughs> <laughs> that you've already wasted. <laughs> Let's do some TV, Kevin Wallach. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so – Inside the Biden camp, sure. Have they made peace with the real threat that is Marianne Williamson? Uh, I think so, and and Robert Kennedy Jr. Yeah, for that matter they? too. All right, I know you're going to tell me neither of them matter, and I I would probably agree with you. Yeah. Okay. But it, do they take one of them seriously? Uh, I don't think so, honestly. I mean, I you know I'd like Marianne. She had some interesting ideas on the on the debate stage. I think they're all angling to try and get a debate. Whether when you have an incumbent, whether it be a Republican or Democrat, you really don't do debates like that. They're clamoring for that just for some notoriety, but it's not going to happen. Okay. Uh, Yeah, the Marianne Williamson policy was interesting of giving every kid a unicorn. And uh, and some she's, crystals. And, she's, yeah. she's a little out there. Yeah. We went from a chicken in every pot to she's a unicorn a in every lady. yard. She's yeah, a she very is. sweet lady, I and we need her in the coalition. So <laughs> if you're listening and you're a Williamson supporter, stay on board. So do you say the same to the RFK Jr. supporter? I don't even know what that looks like, honestly. I, you know, he, he, is he got so, 14% in one poll. Yeah, I don't know. Somebody mentioned that the other day. I very strongly. I think they think it's his father who's you know running from 1968. But... Uh, Listen, I you know I don't know the coalition that he builds. I think he's out of the mainstream mm-hmm. on the vaccine issue with Democrats, mm-hmm. right? That are generally pro science. They generally like Tony Fauci, and he kind of made him a bogeyman. So I don't see that lane, at least in the Democratic Party. Okay, fair. Yeah. I mean, it's again the fourteen percent was also it was an interesting number to me. Yeah, you know because sometimes it's like yeah this was taken by BidenSucks.net. <laughs> yeah, and they're like oh I don't it doesn't sound good. Uh, Kevin Walling, nice doing TV with you. Hey, good to be with you. <laughs> Party's over. We're back in the next hour with Vivek Ramaswamy. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Boom, there it is. Back in action, big hour coming up on Fox Across America. Vivek Ramaswamy, 
He is the author of Capitalist Punishment. He is a Republican candidate for president. And he is going to be joining us in this hour to weigh in on the race, as well as the ongoing culture war down in Florida between Ron DeSantis and Disney. So I guess we have some issues. <laughs> Sounds like we do. And uh, we're going to get into all of that and pretty much everything else facing the country. It's an all skate. Remember when you went to the roller rink back in the day? Did you do that? Would it have like a just the boys and then just the girls, just the couples, just the kids, just, the, you know, and then eventually they have an all skate and everyone could just jump in. Everybody can skate it once again. That's this is what this show is. It's an all skate. Everybody is welcome. Uh, we can't do the individual classes, you know, and it used to be like just the boys, just the girls. If you did that now, it'd go on for months. Just the theys, just the thems, just the non-binary two-spirit furries. What the hell is the world? I don't know, but we'll try to clean up this mess. 888-788-9910. The update in the battle between Disney and DeSantis, it's been pretty crazy. I covered this. I was guest hosting Gutfeld last week, and it was my opening monologue in that there's a big discussion over whether DeSantis has taken this too far, whether the government should be forcing corporations to do anything. But, of course, Disney is now also suing because they had their special tax privileges taken away. And this ongoing battle between one and the other has, of course, generated a lot of conversation about where you draw the line. Is DeSantis going too far? But the bigger issue here, understand, is that this is all based on a straw man argument that DeSantis tried to ban gay people. You see, Disney got involved after DeSantis passed the Parental Rights and Education Act. And that act made it illegal to teach sex ed or sexual identity to kids between the ages of kindergarten and third grade. That's how this started. No sex at all. Not straight, not trans, not gay, no sex. Nobody between kindergarten and third grade should be talking about sex. Why? Because back in the day, we could all accept that anyone who wanted to talk to your kindergartner about sex shouldn't be near a kindergartner. But DeSantis, in passing that bill, called the Parental Rights and Education Act, never said the word gay once. He didn't say no gay sex, no trans sex, no sex, none at all. But the minute the bill passed, they ran out on the left and said he just banned gay people. Democrats are so full of crap. At which point Disney and the board jumped in to say, we're standing up for the gay community. How dare Ron DeSantis criminalize gay behavior? Yo, hold on a second now. Florida has not banned gay people. And if you believe they have, you, my friend, have never been to Key West. I think he's got a point. Certainly haven't spent any time in South Beach or the rest of the state as a whole because gay people are living and thriving joyously as they should be in the state of Florida. Never mind that Florida engaged in this corporate welfare against DeSantis or, excuse me, that Disney did. Organizing, you know, walkouts and pride nights. These are straw man arguments because Florida hasn't banned gay people. So when you throw a pride night at Disney, you're not doing so in defiance of any type of resistance. You're doing so for the same reason you do everything else at Disney, which is to just shake down parents. All right, now get out there and make me some good money. Uh That's, That's the point. Okay, that's what they're doing. That's all Disney. That's the Disney business model. Rip off parents. I'm still paying interest on a Buzz Lightyear toy I bought in 2009. Okay, if Disney really cared about inclusion, they wouldn't make the prices 
130 bucks to get in. He knows what he's talking about. Seriously, if you want everyone from every walk of life, from every sexual identity, from every gender dysmorphia to be welcome in your park, you make the prices a lot more reasonable. Because I can promise you as a parent, the prices are keeping more people out than the pronouns are. But Disney waged this war against DeSantis over a straw man argument about banning gay people. Never mind that Disney does businesses in at least 12 countries that criminalize gay activity. I'm talking Saudi Arabia, punishable by chemical castration, Yemen, punishable by death. Okay, Disney, in accusing DeSantis of being some type of homophobe, is squeezing every dollar it can out of every homophobic country in the world. So in standing his ground, okay, DeSantis has won the respect of a lot of people who see the fraud in Disney's ways. And now, as we're reading, is according to a Reuters-Ipsos poll, 44% of Republicans said they have a more favorable view of the governor because of his fight with Disney. So overall in the survey... Okay, 73% of voters said they were less likely to back a candidate who sought to punish companies for their political and cultural views. But 44% said they were more likely to vote for they were more like they had a more favorable opinion of him because he took the fight with Disney. Okay, 64% of Republicans agree with DeSantis taking the special tax privileges away from Disney. Okay, and so as a whole, this issue is still something that resonates well with voters, connects well with voters, because they're tired of corporations forcing their woke views on their consumers. Everything woke turns to A lot of people feel that way. So in that regard, DeSantis is on pretty solid footing politically. I mean, does that mean he's going to beat Donald Trump in 2024? Wrong. We'll see. A lot of people are still getting into the race. Vivek Ramaswamy is going to be here in this hour. Asa Hutchinson, governor of our of uh, former governor of Arkansas, launched a campaign today. You've got Tim Scott, who has launched an exploratory committee. Uh, former U.N. ambassador and South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley already in the race. Okay, it's going to get crowded and it's going to get crazy. The first GOP debate is going to be right here on Fox News. It's going to be a wild one, and that's not until August. The caucus voting doesn't start until January. We got a long way to go. Buckle up, kids. But the place where DeSantis has found solid footing here is not so much with Republicans, not so much with culture warriors, but with actual parents. Okay, understand parents don't want their kids being sexualized. Over 78% of parents across the aisle supported DeSantis in his parental rights and education bill. Because parents at a time when our country is like, we're literally failing Right now, one in three school kids is not reading at, at grade level in this country. I love the poorly educated. Well, there's plenty of them. Okay, but at a time when we can't read, we've got so much legislation being passed to integrate bathrooms, so much legislation being passed at a state level, you know, where you're seeing things like, well, you know, if the parents aren't okay with a gender transition, then we can give the kid the right to pursue the transition with help from his teacher. You know, we can go to a sanctuary state and get the procedures done where you don't tell your parents. Yo, don't tell your parents. For as long as you and I have ever lived, don't tell your parents was synonymous (laughs) with someone doing something to a child that shouldn't be done.
Ah, uh, you have a good eye, my man. Don't tell your parents every single time meant the adult in this situation was on the wrong side of whatever the hell they were engaging in with the kid. That's true. That is true. So the idea that DeSantis is taking a stand against something that basic. Now, you could say he's going too far, fighting with Disney, stripping tax privileges. Now there's a lawsuit. When is it going to end? Last week we played you the clip where he joked about building a state prison next to Disney's parks. Okay, you could tell me it's too far. I don't know. I don't know where that line is going to be drawn. Personally, I don't want the government forcing anybody to do anything. But that ship sailed a long time ago. Government just forced you to get a vaccine, forced you to throw in a mask. Now it's trying to force you to buy an electric car. Now they want to take away your electric stove. It's the funny thing about Democrats is, you know, when it comes to abortion, they're like, keep the government out of our bedrooms. As they put the government in your garage, government's in your kitchen with (laughs) with your stove. Government's everywhere. Okay. That's the scam of our time. But if you're a guy who stands up against don't tell your parents, I don't even consider that bold. I don't even consider that courageous. I consider it a sad commentary on where we are as a country that that would even be an outlier of a political position to take. I think every single person listening to this should not be okay with any teacher or state legislature that wants to submit a kid to a lifetime of surgeries and follow-up medications, something that will permanently alter their bodies without actually getting the parents' consent. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. Totally. And the idea that Ron DeSantis wants to stand up to them is something that will always get him points and something I will always support, regardless of what position he finds himself in next. You got some big testicles to pull this off, bro. Introducing the all-new Woke Disney World, the first theme park to dump identity politics on all its guests. Mom, can I hit the boys' room? Sorry, honey, it's the they's room. Let me explain this to you one more time. It's okay, Mickey. I'll handle it. All of our rides have been updated, so our Woke employees won't flip out on us. From Snow White and the Seven Genders... I don't understand. ...to it's a small reassignment surgery after all. That was the weirdest boat ride ever. Woke Disney World. We've transitioned to a new business model, but the goal remains the same. All right now, get out there and make me some damn money! Hi-ho, 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 You're listening to the most addictive show on the radio. This is crack, rock cocaine. It isn't glamorous or cool or kid stuff. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I got to tell you, I like this next guest already. He's been in my studio three minutes. He hasn't made fun of any of my toys. You're ahead of the curve on that. He is the author of Capitalist Punishment. He's a Republican candidate for the president of the United States. Vivek Ramaswamy is here. Hey, man. Good to be on. How are you? Thanks for going easy on the toys. I've had differentiating takes. Hey, I like, you know, to each their own style. I don't like to pick on people for okay. uh, for their style. In fact, I quite like it, to be okay. to the I was, contrary. I was going to say, like, around. back in the day when kids would trade, like, baseball cards and toys, is there a toy here you would trade? Like, there's a Millennium Falcon. There's a He-Man. Mm. Although I should, well, He-Man is now called They-Them. You can't make it a is. He-Man. It is. Yeah, yeah. It is a birthing person. <laughs> for man. Is it <laughs> so that's that's I think what I see on the table here. Ah, uh, well, Vivek, you have uh, it's a very f- peculiar place in our news cycle right now because you're not only running for president, yes, but in a 
pop culture, in a culture war way. It is. You're almost the guy who killed bin Laden because you're very much responsible for Don Lemon getting fired. You know, the guy who shot bin Laden didn't have to buy a beer ever again, they say. Yeah. I don't know that you'd ever have to buy a beer. Not that you were asking for a Bud Light, but I don't know that you'd have to buy one. But- yeah, that's right. Definitely not asking for a Bud Light. Maybe a Bud Wright, but not a, uh, not a Bud Light. You know, so, so listen, this is why I go to the other side's turf. Mm-hmm. And I like to win because we have the winning arguments, but sometimes we get afraid of the fact that the terrain is a little unfair. It's a little uneven. Let's grow up and actually do it. I love that. And and I think that Don Lemon, he surprised me a little bit. I didn't expect him to go that far off the reservation. Yeah. But he was engaging in just self-immolation at the end of the day, plain sight. You could just watch him unraveling. well, Well, that's my favorite thing about the moment is Poppy Harlow's on set with you, and she just lets him go. Oh, she, she's like, you know, I could save. That was everything you needed to know about their relationship. That's right. Was the fact that she didn't cut him off. Yeah. You know, it was it was uh, I, I have a feeling that their show is going to be better off without him. And I give him <laughs> a lot of credit for it. But you know, to say something as as noxious that you can't say something about post-Civil War history mm-hmm. to a black man unless you're black. Yeah. I think that embodies everything that's been wrong with our culture in the last five years. Mm-hmm. But I think we're about to turn a corner, and I'm running for president to lead us around that corner because I think there's a better place. I love the idea of this because something comes up all the time. Whenever there's a controversial story in the news, you'll you'll see some people pander and say, well, I'm not saying anything. These aren't my people. I'm like, no, no, no. they're all of our people. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at it that way as we're supposed to. Exactly. You know, we were supposed to be post-race, and they very much – it's almost like we're being resegregated. Of course. It's fascinating, but I think that's why they're so threatened by the idea of you. Because you're trying to engage in the identity, uh, in the, excuse me, in the idea battle mm-hmm. instead of leveraging your background, your identity. Um, but this is the question I wanted to ask. So Biden relaunches a campaign yesterday, which we both think would be very heavily steeped in identity politics. Mm-hmm. Um, is it kind of fascinating to see him running in 2024 without running in 2020? It's interesting. It's interesting. I don't think he's running either time. Yeah, that's right. It was weird, right? I think he's not running either time because <laughs> the biggest farce, Jimmy, is uh-huh. that Biden's actually running for president yeah. at all. Uh-huh. He's not. He's just a puppet. Is he the front? He's absolutely the front, right? There's mm-hmm. the managerial class mm-hmm. that wants to pull the strings on the puppet. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the puppet can't think, the fact that it has a cognitive deficit, that's a feature. That's a good thing, right? It's the same reason they like John Federer in the U.S. Senate. Easier to control. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the puppet masters were thinking that if it, if, if it looked like Trump wasn't going to run, then they don't want Joe Biden. Biden. Yeah. But if Trump's going to run, they're like, hey, if it worked once, let's do the same thing again. We'll still be the ones pulling the strings. Who cares if he suffers from dementia or some other condition, right? I don't know what it is. No, but nobody cares. But this is the one thing. This is the problem we're having is because we, we see 70 percent of Americans don't want Biden to run. But there is no way of polling the invisible people he shakes hands with. That's right. So maybe that number's off. Maybe he's going to win. Maybe the invisible man shows up. Vivek well, Ramaswamy's we'll in studio. Uh, he is the author of Capital Punishment. I want to talk about your book for a second uh, because one of the heavy premises in the book is about voting with your dollars, how you have an opportunity every day to exercise your voice in our democracy through your purchases. Um, do you think when it comes to Disney – I know we've talked a great length about Bud Light – but do you think when it comes to Disney, DeSantis is too heavily engaged in the culture war or do you think he has it right? Like where would you put it? Well, I would say, uh, and by the, by the way, we call the book to pl- as a play on capital punishment. Yes. It's capitalist yes, punishment. Thank you. My yeah, bad. no, it's good. It's because it, it gets to the essence of it's punishing capitalism mm-hmm. in a certain way, or using capitalism as a form of punishment of everyday citizens. So here's my take on DeSantis. Right, mm-hmm. I think he thrives on news cycles. Mm-hmm. He wants to do whatever allows him to get in the news cycle, mm-hmm. but he's off by half. Okay, right. So the thing with Disney, a lot, of, not a lot of people know this. 
under DeSantis, he's the one that gave them a special protection under the law. Is that true? Yeah. So the special protection he gave them, because you remember when there's a lot of big tech censorship? Mm-hmm. Florida led the way, and I give him credit, for passing an anti-discrimination statute against viewpoints. Mm-hmm. But there was a little carve-out in there. Mm-hmm. The carve-out was the Disney rule, which says that if you operate a website like Disney Streaming and you also own a 25-acre or more amusement park – then that restriction doesn't apply to you. So Disney lobbied DeSantis and got that into a law he passed himself. Uh So he walks himself into his own traps, but then says, okay, I'm going to roll that back if I don't like what you're saying. Mm -hmm. The worst part of the story is after he gets the news cycle, he's not paying attention to the details. Uh Disney gets the better of him and has the last laugh as they actually completely – uh, castrate the board so, from its power. So that's that's my issue with DeSantis. Is he, he wants to do the right thing, he thinks, which is a stunt. Mm-hmm. But the stunt doesn't work because the company's smarter than the stuntman, and they'll just wait for the storm to pass and then get whatever they need out of him. That's Ron DeSantis in a nutshell, which is part of why I think for the presidency, mm-hmm. we need somebody who's an original thinker, not a follower. Well, we would definitely put you in that box. So let me ask you this question with a minute that we have left together. I mean, where did the time go, by the way? Totally. It's just man. magic. <laughs> uh, assuming you secure this nominee, uh, this nomination, uh, who would you be more likely to make your VP, Trump or DeSantis? I'd probably take Trump. Would you? Just because very, from a very practical sense – He's taken on the administrative state. He went as far as he was going to go. Uh-huh. I'm going to go much further in shutting down the administrative state, but I'd want to understand those lessons. And uh-huh. Trump is not a professional politician, yeah. and that's what it's going to take to reform you, the federal government. You like a street fighter. This is what we were talking yes. about off the air, and I yes. think everyone else does too. It's the one thing I think folks are sleeping on yeah. is we analyze politics from a lot of traditional metrics, but I think the average voter is just sick of getting stomped on by the man. Totally. Or the, totally. In, in this case, we're getting stomped on by the them. By, uh, <laughs> by the oh, them and the system. The book is Capitalist Punishment. It's an epic by multiple copies. Vivek Ramaswamy, we'll do it again. Thank you, man. Right, Appreciate I'm gonna, that. I'm trying not to get emotional. I'm out of here. <laughs> Good stuff. Reality with a bit of insanity. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is. Back in action, big Wednesday on the radio. Uh, I'll be on the TV tonight on Waters World. Jesse Waters, prime time, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, tomorrow, you'll see me on the Sean Hannity Show. Then I'm off to D.C. I'm going down to the swamp, girlfriend. Uh, I'll be at the White House Correspondents' Dinner this weekend. And uh, Saturday night, you will see me on the red carpet with a mic in my hand. Myself, I'll be on Lawrence Jones's show in the 9 p.m. hour and again in the 10 p.m. hour. Basically, Fox, whenever there's a big event, right, that I'm going to, like New Year's Eve, like the White House dinner, they schedule me for TV hits just to get me away from the bar. That's basically how this works. <laughs> like, oh, you you going down to D.C. for the correspondence dinner? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. I'm like, oh, okay, so I guess that means I'll be doing a hit uh, instead of hanging out at that open bar? Bingo. Okay, we get it. So see me there. I will be wearing some fabulous fashion. I'll be hanging out. Uh, what goes on at the correspondence dinner, if you've never been there, and I will give you a full report, not just there's jokes I'll be telling on the red carpet with Lawrence and, you know, look what this person's wearing. Look at that celebrity. But I will give you a full report this coming Monday when I get back from the swamp on everything I saw, not only at the dinner, but Friday night we go. It's really wild. You go to these media parties, you know, because we all have agents and managers that represent us, and they all throw these media, these parties for the people who cover the White House. And so you actually will, you know, see everybody from every competing network. You know, it was a time where you might see Don Lemon 
Uh, I mean, you might still see him, but he's probably your waiter now. <laughs> I'm being silly. But if you remember last year, we saw Don Lemon. We saw all the MSNBC people. We saw Jen Psaki. Psaki sucks. Kaylee was so much better. Oh, behave. Actually saw Kareem Jean-Pierre. We were in a tough spot with KJ Peaks. The waiter came over and asked her what she wanted for dinner. And she couldn't find it in her binder. She kept looking. She's like, I have an answer in here somewhere. I have something. Go-. She is so bad at her job. But I bring up KJP really quickly because back to the Biden thing for a second. Kareen Jean-Pierre, they trotted her out to the podium yesterday. She made headlines because she was asked whether or not Biden could serve a full eight years, meaning he's running for a second term. Will he serve two full terms? Okay, here's the answer she gives. It is clip four. The president um, planned to serve all eight years. <laughs> I'm not I'm just not going to get ahead of the president. That's something for him to decide. Ooh, it's nothing more than white noise coming from the White House. I'm not going to get is he going to serve eight years? I'm not going to get ahead of the president. You got to do better than that. Yo, you're the voice of the White House. If a guy is running for a term. It's the easiest answer in the world. Yes. Even if you don't think it's true. Yes. You know, if you're the candidate running for office and your spokesperson is asked, can this guy go four years? And <laughs> she's actually like, I'm not going to touch that one. Come on, man. That <laughs> does not help the campaign. So they did make her walk back her statement after the fact. She went out and amended it on Twitter and was like, oh, there's. No doubt in my mind, this guy is sharp as a tack. You're alive. But the bigger issue behind Biden doing another four years, aside from the polling that says 70% of Americans don't want him to run again, because that does change. Like, Democrats don't want him to run again. It doesn't mean they won't vote for him. It's worth adding that to the conversation. They don't want it to happen. It doesn't mean they won't support it, especially if they're going up against Donald Trump, because you got to understand these people hate Donald Trump. The reason Biden is your president is not because they liked Biden. It's because they absolutely, positively hated Donald Trump. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. So there's a good percentage of this country that will vote for Joe Biden no matter what's going. Joe Biden could literally be out there on the campaign trail telling people he's Wonder Woman. You must be crazy. When are you going to stop believing in something that isn't true? No, no, that's not what they're going to say, though. They're going to say, well, oh, you're voting against Trump. No, you got my vote. They will vote for him over Trump. So this whole campaign launch is predicated on the fact that they think Trump is going to be the nominee. But where Biden is going to run into other problems, okay, I think the biggest problem he'd be facing in a general election is a younger challenger. You know, if it's a DeSantis, if it's a Tim Scott, if it's a Nikki Haley, Biden's got really big problems because that'll highlight the age difference. You know, him and Trump, they're really you can't really highlight the age difference because as inept as Biden looks, as often as he fumbles on the on the stage of conversation, they will not let him anywhere near an unscripted microphone from now until the end of the race. They just won't do it. They did it in 2020. They played a prevent defense. They'll do it again in 2024. They won't have him out there. They just won't. But where he will run into a problem is if there is a younger person, because there is at some point going to be a presidential debate and the juxtaposition between him and younger, fresher ideas, him, just an old shouty man calling people racist and transphobes, is going to look really silly 
in the face of a substantive debater. Like, you know, you couldn't put Biden on a stage with Vivek Ramaswamy, who was just here. And I'm not saying Vivek's going to be the nominee, but the point is a robust intellectual debate is miles and miles beyond Joe Biden's range. I agree with that. The other issue he's going to have is if it's not Trump. Now, listen, it could be Trump. It's a democracy. You guys can vote for whoever you want to vote for. We're all going to vote for who we want to vote for. But if it's not Trump, okay, there's also a bigger focus on Biden's scandals. You see, the problem with Trump for real, this is not me saying don't vote for Trump. This is not me saying I don't like Trump. I'm not doing that. This guy will say anything. Okay, well, I'm not saying anything. I'm just being on. I'm just leveling with you as somebody who cares. Okay, Trump on a substantive level was a really good president, but we didn't talk about any of it. Like you might know that he did more to secure the border than any president the last 50 years. You might know that he invested $75 billion in opportunity zones for low-income black communities. You might know that he signed the First Step Prison Reform Act that freed over 300,000 nonviolent black drug offenders, many of whom were sentenced under the overzealous sentencing guidelines of the 1994 Joe Biden crime bill. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. You may know that, okay, but the majority of this country doesn't. They don't focus on the substance with Trump. They focus on the sensationalism. They focus on Russia. Ah, he's colluded with Russia. It was made up by these sick people. Totally, okay. Total scam. Okay. Impeachment one, impeachment two. They'll focus on January 6th. They'll focus on the fact that he slept with a porn star. Hubba, hubba. Okay, but they won't focus on substance. They'll focus on his tweets or his truth socials. They'll focus on his comments about Rosie O'Donnell. There's a slob. There's a real slob. But the one thing they never focus on is substance. So the Democrats, Kevin Walling was on our air earlier. He worked on the Biden campaign in 2020. They really want Trump to run bad. When you hear Republicans and people in Trump world saying, like, they're trying to arrest him because they don't want to run against him, that's not actually true. They're trying to arrest him because they hate him with all the fiber in their being. Uh, But in terms of running against him, they think these indictments will ultimately help his poll numbers. And in the short term, they actually have. Okay, Democrats want to run against Trump because Trump's baggage gives them a comparable to Biden's baggage. Does Biden have a corrupt son? I'm going to go out on a limb and say yes, based on everything we've seen. Hunter's a dirtbag. And there's also the reality that there's a monstrous paper trail stemming back to the Biden administration as it pertains to 150 suspicious activity reports that involve multiple members of the Biden family. There's a living, breathing business partner named Tony Bobolinsky who claims Biden was getting a 10% kickback on an influence peddling scheme. Are you the big man, Joe? Okay, Tony Bobolinsky said yes. But the Democrats were able to get away from all of these scandals because Trump took all the oxygen out of the room. Look what Trump said. Look what Trump tweeted. Look what Trump did. So Trump running, just so you understand, as the nominee, is the best case scenario for Democrats only because it allows the entirety of the media to focus on Trump instead of focusing on Biden. Okay, I don't know how this will play out. I don't know. And I don't want to steer. I'm not steering your vote. It's not my gig. I'm going home to play Madden tonight. I'm going to be on TV and then I'm going home to play video games with my kid. That's what I'm doing. And that's my I can't wait. I mean, it's. You talk about a light at the end of a tunnel. I love this job's greatest thing in the world, but I can't compare anything to my time with my family. I'm just, you know, I don't want to lie to you. Uh, But here is Trump on Biden. 
Okay, the media doesn't want to cover Biden, Biden scandals. You know Trump does. So here's Trump taking the case to Biden. It's clip 26. What Congressman James Comer and Jim Jordan have revealed about the Biden crime family would be Watergate times 10 if this news was revealed just 10 years ago. Our fake news media is corrupt at a level like never seen before. There has never been anything like it. If this kind of information came out in the past, writers would be getting Pulitzer Prizes when Pulitzer Prize meant something. It doesn't mean very much anymore. Yes, our media is totally corrupt. Uh Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. But they're not actually in trouble. He's not actually in trouble because the media, Trump, is not wrong. The media is corrupt. The media interfered in the 2020 election. After all this screaming and yelling about Putin, election interference, and threats to democracy, the media interfered in the 2020 election. That's just how white folks will do you. But understand, the media killed the Hunter Biden laptop story at a time when our own intel community knew it was real. Okay, the director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe, at the time it surfaced, said this is real. The man who was in the contents of many of the emails, Tony Bobulinski, came forward to say, this is real. But they killed the story with help from 51 former intel officials who signed a letter saying this was Russian disinformation. No, it has all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. You're a bald-faced liar. A liar. And Biden echoed those sentiments on the debate stage, said, oh, they said it was Russian disinformation. And that gave the media grounds to put the whole thing to bed. Okay, they interfered in an election. They took information. The whole premise behind Trump being indicted for sleeping with Stormy Daniels is that by paying a non-disclosure, he denied the voters information that may have changed their opinion of him. Do you understand? That's why Alvin Bragg thinks he can take a local charge and elevate it to a federal level. Well, you know, he's sleeping with a porn star, and if people knew that, they might have voted differently. Okay, that's the, cam- that's the claim. That's how they're elevating this to a campaign finance violation, a federal charge. He doesn't have the jurisdiction. He's trying to obtain the jurisdiction by bumping it up to a federal level based on a crime that occurred in his local district. But again, if withholding information from the voters was an actual prosecutorial, prosecutable crime, then when it comes to the Hunter Biden laptop and a guy like Joe Biden, he should be behind bars. But the media isn't going anywhere near it. And I only bring this up because the double standard is, means we have no standard. This drives me crazy. It's a problem with political violence. Okay, the reason Republicans didn't lose their mind over January 6th, and it was bad. We watched it in real time and was like, this is junk. You could tell me there were 10 feds involved. I don't care. It's still junk. You could tell me most of the people weren't wrecking anything. It's still junk. You're still in the Capitol breaking stuff. It's not good. Don't delude yourself into thinking it's good. Okay, you could very well make a case that the Democrats tried to make more out of it than it was meaning they lied when they said it was a deadly white supremacist insurgency. They lied when they said it was an attempt to overthrow the government. Stop it. We weren't about to have a, you know, the guy in the Chewbacca bikini sworn in as our president. Okay, there was definitely a lie and an exaggeration and a distortion over what it constituted, but it was bad. But the reason Republicans weren't blown away by it is because people that were just objective observers of politics had seen 
horrible things the entire prior summer of 2020. And I'm not talking about looting Nike stores and burning down Little Caesars, okay, which was awful, lighting police stations on fire, establishing pretend autonomous zone countries in places like Seattle. All of that was bad. The BLM riots, okay, caused, you know, and they say over $10 billion in property damage, claimed the lives of 40 people. It was horrific violence, well beyond what happened in the Capitol. But the Capitol is still the Capitol. It matters. But the reason a lot of Republicans didn't buy into the feigned outrage of Democrats about political violence is because the Republicans saw the Democrats attack the White House in the summer of 2020 with so much force and fury that the Secret Service had to put Trump into a bunker beneath the White House, at which point the Secret Service, okay, handed the Trump hater the derisive nickname of Bunker Boy. And the Democrats derisively referred to Trump as bunker boy for the remainder of his presidency. Oh, big tough guy put in the bunker. Well, the Secret Service put him there. They kind of called the shots. But the point is they threw so many rocks and bricks at Secret Service workers, Capitol Police at the time, that over 100 guys were treated for injuries based on what that Black Lives Matter mob was doing to the people protecting the White House. And we saw a double standard in real time over political violence. And when there's a double standard, there's no standard because you can't generate universal buy-in if each of us is only going to condemn one side of the argument. But that's where we have such a larger problem in our body politic right now is we live in such a hyper-partisan time. People will only acknowledge one half of reality. That's why I think if Trump really wanted to help the country beyond being president or, you know, Knocking Biden out there, which would you get rid of Biden. It's addition by subtraction on a political level. He's just one of the worst president I've ever seen. Okay, but I think at the very least, maybe Trump could win over more voters if he just started doing an advice seminar, seeing as he is an expert on just about everything. Introducing Ask Trump, the advice seminar from a man who's an expert on everything. Nobody knows the politicians better than I do. I know more about ISIS than the generals. Nobody knows more about campaign finance. Nobody knows much more about technology. Nobody knows more about environmental impact statements. I understand the tax laws better than almost anyone. He'll take your questions on everything from baseball deals. Nobody knows more about trade than me. To children's gifts. Nobody has better toys than I do. Ask Trump can improve your vocabulary. I know words. I have the best words. Audiences enjoy it so much it feels like a religious experience. Nobody loves the Bible more than I do. Ask Trump is so successful the critics are going nuclear. There's nobody that understands the horror of nuclear better than me. Ask Trump, the fastest growing advice seminar in the country. Because nobody's ever had crowds like Trump has had. Tackling issues of the day in an easy way. He's all man. He's a big, strong-looking guy. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Bottom of the ninth on Fox Across America. We can do this in person, damn it. You come out to one of our live shows. I got a good testimonial from Martha McCallum on Monday. Shout out to the great Martha McCallum. She's at my comedy show. Last Friday night at Bananas Comics. Uh, we were here on the East Coast. It was a good, rowdy Jersey crowd. And uh, Martha is a phenomenal audience member. Anytime you have someone with her intelligence that actually gets, you know, likes your jokes and is on board with them, there's a lot of validation in that because you're not trying, you know, to do like rubber chicken comedy. You want there to be a little bit of intellectual heft behind it. So the fact that a little community college guy like me could get a Martha McCallum endorsement on stage. I got to tell you, man, I don't mean to dwell on this, but wow. Well, 
Bay Girl. Now, I bring this up. Why? Because I'll be doing some other traveling next weekend. We're talking about Saturday night, May the 6th. We start off the Laugh and Liberty Tour with myself and Kennedy. That is in Reading, Pennsylvania, May the 6th. Uh, May the 20th, we're down in Clearwater, Florida at the Billheimer Capitol Theater. June the 3rd, we are in Davenport, Iowa at the Adler Theater. June the 10th, Mesa, Arizona at the Mesa Art Center. June the 24th at the Lexington Opera House in Lexington, Kentucky. In the meantime, I will be appearing tonight at 7 p.m. on Jesse Waters Primetime. Get your game face on. This show is over. Pay up, get out. We'll see you tomorrow. Be a Republican. Be a Democrat. Just don't be a... I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.